0: We're in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8 this morning. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Surely, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. We almost can't help but hear the word prayer and immediately think in terms of a spiritual discipline. Uh, It is, of course, but it also isn't. God seems to want to talk with us. He created Adam and Eve and He came into the garden every day to talk with them. After they sinned, He came into the garden and He made a way that they and their descendants could go on talking with Him. Uh, We like to say sometimes and remind ourselves that we were created to have fellowship with God. God had no need for fellowship. He had perfect fellowship within what we would call the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It wasn't that God was needy, but He uh, finds pleasure or joy in creating us so that we can have a relationship with Him. And and so we always want to get back to that fundamental idea that what we're about is having a relationship with our Creator. Abraham is in one place called the friend of God. Actually, it's James who who refers to him as that. But apparently, Abraham had a good good enough relationship with God that they could be called friends. Uh, and so we can think in terms of the best friend that we ever had. Uh, in and. Uh, Normally, you enjoyed talking with that person. Maybe you have a best friend right now. If, if it's your wife, that's fine. But uh, you know, you enjoy talking with that person. Uh, at one point, the Lord calls us His friends. And so again, prayer is something like two friends talking with one another. When Jesus was on the earth, He spent a great deal of time praying. His recorded prayers are mostly informal and they reveal the depth of a relationship with his father. Jesus really prays nothing like some of the formal praying that goes on in uh, churches and, and places like that. Uh, it's it's reverent, obviously, but uh, but it's very you know it, it's very heartfelt. It's just very real, based on relationship. And so, from those just minimal observations, we could say that prayer is like talking to a best friend or to a loving father. Uh, and and anything beyond that uh, would be probably too formal. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be reverent or that we should be flippant. You understand what I mean. It's it, The Lord wants to be our friend. He wants to talk with us. God is our Father. Uh, I think we, we it's to our detriment that we make prayer more formal than that. And so in verse 5 he says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Surely, I say to you, they have their reward. The Lord calls them hypocrites. And as we saw last time, uh, that is the word that would be applied to a stage actor, somebody putting on a a stage production, uh, because they would wear masks. And that's where the word derives from. It's, It's the wearing of a mask to play a character. So the Lord describes these people as actors, acting like they were praying, uh, and, and that's the idea. They're 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 not really praying as far as the Lord's concerned. They're acting as though they're praying. The Jews of Jesus' day weren't really praying at all. They were pretending to be spiritual, and uh, they were using prayer as a vehicle to draw attention to themselves so that people would see them praying and assume that they were in a close relationship with God. This reminds us, uh, well, first of all, they acted like they were praying by standing in the synagogues. He says standing in the synagogues and then on the corners of the streets. And so, first of all, in the synagogue. uh, So they apparently would stand in the synagogue and pray loudly. And thus they turned weekly worship into a stage upon which they might perform. So, one of the analogies I think Jesus really uses throughout this section is this idea of hypocrite, not just flippantly saying, oh, they're hypocrites like we might, but He's saying, hey, they're acting like they're praying. And when they're in church, that becomes their stage. That's their platform now, where they get up and they begin to act as though they're praying in this voice. And I always... I think people are sincere sometimes who do this, and so I want to be careful. But there are people, you know, maybe maybe you've been to church services like that where where all of a sudden people change their tone and their inflection when they're either praying or preaching. This is something that some seminaries used to teach, you know, in terms, I'd be talking like this, and then when I'd go to prayer, I'd be, oh, God, my God. and And you'd start to pray in ways that you would never talk. In fact, one of my favorite things to do with people who are real steeped in Pentecostal traditions is to ask them if they can even imagine Jesus talking the way Benny Hinn talks or some of these other guys. I mean, can you see Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount walking around with a handkerchief saying, Glory! Glory! And, and, And... you can't. I mean, you can't. So why do we do that? Why would we do that if Jesus, you can't see Paul the Apostle doing that either? Well, we have some of the or Peter. We have their recorded words, not all of their words, but I'm sure they didn't edit out the Pentecostal part of their their, their messages. You know, we don't just have the nuggets. I mean, they weren't doing that kind of stuff. Uh, and so um, these guys are standing up. And so uh, one of the things that this teaches us as a side issue is that the meetings of the church are not stages or platforms upon which we are to pretend we're spiritual we're not to draw attention to ourselves uh, if we do we would be in the category of actors and, and and the the church meeting would be our stage in in terms of hey look at me notwithstanding i mean people have certain ministries they serve in certain ways uh you know, you, you, I guess, like me, for example, I guess I could be in the back and just be a voice, a disguised voice coming through the, you know, the system so that you're not drawing attention to yourself. But that's, yeah, that's not it. it, it, it it's it. there are people who, unfortunately, do this. They, they draw attention to themselves uh, and, and in a lot of different ways. So we want to be careful not to do that, obviously. The qualifier Jesus uses is that they may be seen of men wasn't to be heard by God, but to be seen by men. If you want to be heard by God, you can pray quietly with God. You can pray at home. You don't have to stand up in the synagogue to do that. Um, God was not interested in their acting. They were bad actors. The only credit they would get for it was from other men who were fooled by them into thinking that they were spiritual. So when Jesus says, that, that's your reward... Your reward is that on earth men will think you are spiritual. But from heaven's point of view, you're just a, a big phony actor and there's no awards for that uh, when you get to heaven. There, you know, you're, you're not even going to be nominated You know, if we stick with the analogy. This idea of being seen by men also gives us a principle we can apply. I think if it is possible, we should do our ministries as privately as we can. Uh, if we're in a situation where we feel, let's use prayer as an example, you feel led to pray for somebody and you're in public, uh, we can still try to be as uh, private in public as we can and not draw unnecessary attention to ourselves. It doesn't mean you shouldn't pray for your meal in a restaurant. It doesn't mean you can't you know, pray for somebody who is asking for prayer out in public. I think those things can be sweet. I just think there's a way of doing it that crosses a line and draws attention to yourself and there's a way of of doing it that is more natural and as long as we're our motive is that we want to be led by God and not be seen of men then we're okay sometimes it can't be avoided Uh, it's better to pray for somebody than to not pray Uh, just be certain your motive is to be heard by God and not to be seen by men Uh, And and if you're sensitive to this, you might try just praying as if you're still talking. You don't always need to bow your head and close your eyes and assume a certain posture. You don't always have to lay hands on the other person. You don't always have to hold hands in a group to be praying. Uh, you You can pray in a conversational way. The Lord says, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. I mean, pray as if Jesus were there. If you know, and, and sometimes I keep my eyes them, Sometimes we bow our heads. I mean, th- those are fine in terms of posture and what that means. But uh, I think if the Lord were here and we were talking with Him, we would probably just look at Him and talk with Him. You know, now I don't know exactly where the Lord is, you know. So, but uh, He's here with us. And so sometimes you say, "Hey, well, let's pray," and then just pray. You know, with without all of the extra Christianized things that that we do, uh, and the Lord is honored in that. Let's skip to verse 7 for a minute and I'll tell you why when we get back to verse 6. He says, When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. One commentator called vain repetitions stock phrases. I like that. Certain stock phrases that they were using. Imagine, and, and this, is, this is what I like to do again, imagine talking to your best friend or your father using stock phrases over and over again it would be ridiculous and sad he wouldn't be your best friend for very long you know i mean i can't even think of what you would say on, on a human level you know and so but just i mean if if you know if we went to a ball game and just uh, you know you and grant were just at a ball game if all you did the whole time you were there was just talk to each other in clichés back and forth you know, and and how about them reds, you know, and, or something. I mean, it just it's crazy. People don't really do this. Uh, and yet, when people pray, they have a tendency to go to these vain repetitions. There is a Pentecostal practice of using many words repeated over and over. I, I just don't get it. I, I can't even pray in that environment. I think I've told this story before, but there's a million of them. It's just the most recent one. We were at a, a service where they were laying hands on Barry Davis and the other gal, Victoria, I think is her name, to be the jail chaplains at the time. And so to have all the pastors come up and lay hands on them and pray for them. You know, and so we go to prayer and the guy next to me just for five minutes is going just like this. holy wisdom, holy wisdom. Holy wisdom, holy wisdom, holy wisdom. Holy wisdom, holy wisdom, holy wisdom. Holy wisdom. And I was like, oh, are you looking for it? Are you calling it down? I mean, what do you, what, it's like a broken record, you know. And then there's people, you know, then there's, you know, Jesus, 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 oh, Jesus, you know. And and I just, I don't, I just, I don't get it. I mean, it's like you, it's like you you're called into a dimension of sight and sound where you know that you know, where well I expect the Barbie doll to come flying by you know I think I'm in the twilight zone or something you know. I don't know I mean these are ordinary people you know that a few minutes earlier we were just having a conversation I've always wanted to have the nerve to just you know the next time I meet some of these guys and they start talking to me, just like this, just to start going, holy wisdom, holy wisdom, holy wisdom, while they're talking and have them say, what are you doing? Um, I don't know. What are you doing? I mean, I'm just talking to you. You're talking to God. And, and, you know, I don't know. You tell me. I got that from you. So, I mean, I just... I mean, it's funny to us, but I don't... That's some of what Jesus is talking about. Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. i tell you right now... The disciples were not behind Jesus going holy wisdom. Holy, I mean, if there ever was holy wisdom, it was in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I mean, you know, anybody sitting there doing that is going to get asked to leave. You know, so it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it would have been the mealy on the mountain, is what it was. <laughs> oh man, I I just. If I did something like that in a normal setting, it would be considered rude. Uh, And yet we, you know, I don't don't know. I just, I can't get it. So in verse 8 it says, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Them or they, the proverbial they, are the people using these then repetitions. It sounds like they think there are certain ways to pray that tap into the power of God. Every few years, there's a teaching within uh, professed Christian churches that indicates a secret formula or formulas for prayer that unlock incredible power. I remember when I first moved to Hanford, I had a discussion with one of the pastors at another Pentecostal church about a book called The Fourth Dimension. Uh, and uh, it, it the premise of the book was that there is a fourth spiritual dimension And anyone can tap into it. Christians, non-Christians. Seems like people in the occult world know how to tap into it. We should learn how to tap into it so that we can use that power for good. Uh, It sounds demonic to me and weird, you know. But, I mean, I thought that we had all this power. I didn't know that we had to tap into it. And so, anyway, it's crazy. And so, then John Wimber came along with the... Revival of the gifts of the Holy Spirit through the Calvary movement became the vineyard, and they were teaching people how to heal people. And you know, you had to hold your hands certain ways for different diseases and different conditions. And you know, you'd heal people's backs by you know certain and and people were going for. It. They went to seminars to learn how to hold their hands. And what if you're left-handed? You know that kind. Of, I mean, all these things. And so that that that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, "Your Father knows before you ask Him." He wasn't saying you shouldn't ask. You have to think in context of what he has just said. You shouldn't approach God as if he were a force or a power that can only be unleashed with the right set of words or gestures. Remember, he's your friend and father, and therefore he knows your needs and wants to meet them. He wants to talk with you about them, not be incanted to. And so the picture I have is is God, you know, it would be like God coming down into the garden to meet Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve... You know, get going into incantations and and strange positions, you know to to try and get God to meet their needs and and God's wanting, you know He wants to talk with them as a friend or as a father. And so I believe we cheapen prayer that way. So of course, we're going to ask you, ask your father for things, you ask your friend for things. In this case, he already knows and and he wants to have a conversation with us about them because we find out a lot of the things that we think we need we don't need. And what he ends up telling us is that, Gene, my grace is sufficient for you. You really don't need this relationship right now. You don't need to move over here. You don't need this or that. You, you know, we, I'm glad we're talking about this because I can explain to you how I can meet those needs in other ways uh, and, and, or to just ask you to be patient while I work behind the scenes of your life. Now in verses 5 and 7, The Greek pronoun translated you is plural. But in verse 6, which we skipped, in order to emphasize private communion with God, the you switches to singular. It's the Lord's instruction on how each of us should really pray. And so let's look at verse 6. He says, you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Jesus is not prohibiting public prayers. Uh, that's certainly not his point. He prayed publicly, so did the disciples after him. He wasn't saying you could never be seen praying. Think of Daniel, for example, who Jesus had a high respect for, called a prophet. He got thrown into the den of lions because he prayed daily with his windows open towards Jerusalem. Uh, This was the only way that they could trip him up, is, is they knew that he was a man of prayer and they could observe him praying. And so Jesus can't be prohibiting public praying. If you stay with the imagery that we're using, in contrast to the actors on a stage, you would go to a private room and shut the door because prayer isn't a public performance, although it sometimes occurs publicly. It's a private conversation, although it sometimes occurs publicly. That's the idea. So you're not an actor on a stage being watched by men. You're a son or a friend living life talking to, your, uh, to, to God and and so uh, you know you, you, you're not going to a theater to pray you, you it's as if you're home praying and so you know if you want to have a prayer closet there are some people who have a prayer closet or a place that that's fine you know and stuff and some people literally have a closet that they go into you know they take it literally and that's that's fine too i've seen some closets bigger than my house you know and stuff so there's nothing wrong with that but uh, th- I think that's the idea. There's an imagery thing. You're not, on a sta- you're not a stage actor. People aren't coming to watch you pray as if you're up on the stage there and we're all in the seats. You're in the seats and you can pray anytime you want, but you have the idea that it's more of a private conversation with your Father. Uh, here's what one author says who paraphrases this verse. He says, Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. I hate role play. It's one of the things I really hate. I know that it's necessary. It's a good teaching technique sometimes, but I just hate it. Uh, But you're not to role play or play act when you're praying. It's, It's not anything like that. You're talking to your best friend and your loving Father. You have a sense of His presence always, even though it is secret in that He cannot be seen with you. That's kind of the idea. So, you know, if I'm in a crowded place and I could be mumbling under my breath and people might think I'm crazy, but in reality I'm talking to my Father. You know, He's always there with me in, in the secret place. So there's a sense in which I can go into a prayer closet or I can just consider anywhere I am a secret place where the Lord is with me because that's true after all. And the more I have these conventions of prayer where I have to use vain repetitions and be loud and be seen of men and hold people's hands and do all of this other stuff, uh, then I'm going to have problems uh, just having a moment-by-moment moment walk with God. And that's really what it always comes back with. We, we're to talk with God as if He were really there because He is really there and that's all He ever desired in the first place when He created us in the garden is so that He could walk with us through His creation and point things out and enjoy that fellowship. And we, in turn, enjoy fellowship as well. Alright, next week the Lord's Prayer will get deeper into this.